Welcome back to Made for Philly. I am Bryce Alinsky alongside Matt Minton. We are presented by Godzilla Media. And of course, uh, we are recording on a day late than usual. We did have to shuffle our schedule around because of another podcast that I do, Sports with the Z and a T, and this just made more sense, a little closer to game day for now for the Eagles. So that is why our episode is dropping on Friday, get you ready for the weekend, get you ready for the upcoming Birds game. Um, but first, before we look towards this weekend, and obviously the Eagles are back home, they face the Chargers, let's talk about that 44-6 to drubbing out in Motor City, Matt. The Eagles finally won a football game. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God they beat the lines and thank God they did it convincingly. Uh, we were, we were a little worried about it last week. Uh, we were pretty sure the Eagles were going to win, but thankfully they did. And, uh, um, running the football, we, we know what that is again. We ran the football. What's they're that? allowed to do that. They're allowed uh, to do that. Apparently, I guess this was like the one time, all right, go and have fun, your free pass uh, weekend for the Eagles to run the football. Um, I I don't know what Miles Sanders did to the Eagles organization, but I I don't know why we couldn't have done that the first seven games of the year with Miles Sanders, but uh, better late than never, I guess, for Nick Sirianni. It is definitely better late than never. You know, I'm sure Miles Sanders is definitely punching the air when he sees Jordan Howard getting called up. Getting two touchdowns off of carries, Boston Scott. He's first of all, he's alive, by the way. Boston Scott's yeah. also alive. That that is true. And Jordan Howard has more touchdowns than Miles Sanders does all year, and he mm-hmm. played like ten snaps. And it is, um, I don't want to say it's concerning, but now you, it's kind of something you're starting to see. You're starting to see the Eagles' offense looks at its best when they're sheltering their quarterback, and that's not something you necessarily want to see. And I don't know how much it's a stab on Jalen Hurts or Sirianni's passing play calling but it is something to take note of and we even saw a little bit of Gardner Minshew action after Hertz was pulled after throwing I think only 14 or 15 total passes it was uh, 11 of 15 11 of 15 for 105 yards and uh, he, he he ran for a couple nice plays but he really was not asked to do much yeah so he he was efficient but you know at the end of the day still didn't show anything really to flash that he could be the guy you know you see him make some nice plays here and there, but for the most part, it was nice to see the run offense actually have an impact. And I'm telling you, when the Eagles are a run first team, they look decent. Yeah, and I'm going to get to that Jalen Hurts point in a second, but I mean, the message maybe, and the, that's one way to look at it. We'll get to that. And then the other way to look at it is the message finally got through to Nick Sirianni that he needs to be more balanced on offense, uh, pretty much run the damn ball. And even without Miles Sanders, uh, they, they they ran 39 times for 237 yards. Not only is that impressive, but it's the most on the road in seven years. It really? wasn't just that, yeah, it wasn't just the number of running plays, though. I thought Sirianni did a nice job mixing up the plays different backs, different looks. Um, I I was a little surprised to see how little Kenny Gainwell was used. I I thought for sure he was going to be the main guy. I figured Jordan Howard was going to get goal line touches. I knew you were going to see a lot of Boston Scott, but I, the lack of Kenny Gainwell surprised me, but I I thought they did a nice job with different looks, different backs, different situations and using, um, really as healthy as this offensive line is probably going to get this year to wear down the lines. And when Jalen hurts did throw the lines, weren't able to tee off because Sirianni had them guessing. So I guess that kind of helped them 
that they had to honor the run game. But let's talk about Hurts. Right. I mean, the offense looks better when you run the ball. Shocker. I'm sure people are going to look at it and, you know, only completed those nine passes, 103 yards. I was a little off. I pulled that out of my head, but I was, I was slightly off nine passes for 103 yards. He completed, Um, but he did what he had to do. Didn't really miss any open guys, made good decisions didn't take any sacks, which was huge, and made some plays with his legs, ran seven times for 71 yards, um, had three first downs, did what he had to do to complement a massive ground attack. And there are going to be games where the Eagles need Hurts to do a lot more. Um, I think there's going to be plenty of those games rest the, the rest of the year that we can evaluate him on because it's coming. But for now, I see the Eagles n- – Looking at the Lions, knowing how historically bad that defense is, knowing they could run it down their throats, protecting a young kid who really did all he could and with what was given to him in a 38-point victory. Um, I'm not, like I said, I'm not convinced at this point that Jalen Hurts is the future, nor do I think he is. And of course, the reports are louder and louder that the Eagles are going to make a hard push for Russell Wilson this offseason. Um, but this is not a game that's going to decide one way or the other what Jalen Hurts is going to be for this franchise. Yeah, so I guess going back to first to Kenny Gainwell, it was really interesting to see him not utilizing the gameplay at all, considering that when he was splitting reps with Miles Sanders, he was the only running back to really touch the ball, and there were times where mm-hmm. he was even considered possibly RB1. So I still am questioning a little bit now the use of the running backs because I know – I believe when Deuce was here as the running back coach, he called what running backs went in a lot. So I wonder how much Sirianni has control of that or how much the OC does. But then going back to, I'll touch up on Jalen Hurts, similar to what you said, you're not sure if he's the guy. So far, when I've seen so far this year, for the most part, he hasn't been the problem, but he's also shown not a whole lot to say that he's the solution going forward. Well, so, there's a lot of conversation that he's holding a guy like Devontae Smith back. Now, Devontae Smith has had some issues with Drops, obviously. Um, and that's, think, that's what that's a conversation to be had. Back? I think he's had three touchdowns called back. Correct. Well. So, so it, it's been kind of an unlucky start. Look, I I love everything. I mostly everything I've seen from Devonte Smith. I think he's going to be very good. But it's a fair conversation to have that perhaps the potential of Devonte Smith without a quarterback that really has that big arm, somebody who can stretch the field and really bomb it down, like a guy like Russell Wilson would be able to do, or Deshaun Watson would be able to do. Hell, even Carson Wentz would be able to do. You wonder if Jalen Hurts is holding back the potential of a Devontae Smith, even though they were teammates in college. Um, you, you see what some of these quarterbacks in the NFL could do. I mean, you, you look at Josh Allen, you look at Patrick Mahomes, you look at these guys with big arms stretching the field. The Eagles offense can't do that. You can have the weapons to do that. You do. You have Devontae Smith. You, even, you have Kez Watkins. You have Jalen Rager who can do that but you don't have the quarterback with the arm to do it. So I I think when you really look at the potential of this Eagles offense, you haven't seen it because Jalen Hurts is holding you back. Mm -hmm. And now you start to get into the question where (laughs) how much longer of a leash does he have as QB one for this season? Granted, he's the most important guy, but when you have a guy like Gardner Minshew, who, you know, as much as I do, as much as I love the guy, I love, you know, him as a character and as a quarterback, He's been a starter for a couple of years, but he's probably also not the solution. But at this point, when you have him on your roster and you see what hurts, 
how Hurts has kind of hindered your team a little bit. At what point do you say, well, let's at least see what we got? Here, here's, here's the thing with that. Like, I, I guess you could say, let's see what he does in an Eagles uniform. But I think it's pretty safe to say you know what Gardner Minshew is at this point. Like, you, you know what he is. He's good. At, he's a very good backup. Probably one of the better backups in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not. He's not a franchise quarterback. So why? Why take Hurts? And I, like, if this year is all about figuring out what you have moving forward, like a big part of this year, and we said it over the summer, we said it going into the year, and we've been saying it pretty much throughout the season, that one of the things was to figure out if Jalen Hurts is the guy. It, it does nothing for the Eagles franchise to say, oh, let's throw Gardner Minshew in there. I mean, if if you go three, four weeks, losing 41 to 10 because the offense is putting the defense in bad positions or turning the ball over and Jalen Hurst don't got it. You have your answer, but mm-hmm. you don't know that until you see it. And if, if anything, if you don't make the playoffs and you are disappointed with the output, I think that tells you a little bit about what Jalen Hurts is and it's not your franchise quarterback. So I think either way you, you look at it now, you have nine games left. Yeah. Nine games left. You have nine games if you're Jalen Hurts to prove that you can be the guy. There's a lot of talk that you're not. Um, I I think I could speak for both of us that we believe he's not. Um, but you have a chance. The Eagles have the easiest strength of schedule left in the entire NFL. If I'm Jalen Hurts and I see what's in front of me, obviously you have to take it week by week. Don't look farther down the road. And it's easy for a young player to do that. But you have a chance to put the Eagles in the playoffs. And I think that would help if anything, help solidify yourself to get another mm-hmm. year as the Eagles starting quarterback. Because if you miss the playoffs with expanded playoffs and the easiest strike the schedule left, you're not winning the division, but you can get in as a wild card team for sure. I mean, three and five is not not dead in the water, if, especially if you turn around and beat the Chargers this weekend. But if I'm Jalen Hurts, these nine games define your career. It m- very well might be. And um, I don't know if I'm going to say I think Jalen Hurts is not the future yet. I still have a little bit of faith in there, but like I said, I'll go back to what I said earlier. He hasn't been the problem, but he hasn't shown much to say that he's the solution going forward. And like you said, there's possibilities of Russell Westbrook moving on and you've still got whatever's going on with Deshaun Watts. I mean, I heard one report. I don't know how legit it is that apparently the Dolphins and Texans have reportedly agreed on a trade barring his legal issue gets sorted out, but they, they had that could trade that could yeah, change. They had, you know, but... No one knows for sure anymore. They they had a trade and based on a couple reports, there was a trade basically agreed on. But until Watson's legal matters are figured out, nobody in their right mind is going to give up what Houston is asking for. Mm-hmm. That is just way too bold, way too risky because whatever comes out of that legal matter, then the NFL is going to take action. Is he going to be put on the commissioner's list? Is he going to be suspended for a whole year, two years? I mean, is he going to be a guy that can't play in the NFL? Not, not being trying to be dramatic, but you have to consider that if you're giving up three first round picks and three players. Yeah. You got to consider that. And, and I mean, obviously the Eagles are one of those teams with the ammunition to do it. Um, I, I don't think Watson's realistic. I think honestly, the most realistic option is Russell Wilson. Um, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But to your point, like Hertz hasn't been the problem, but he hasn't really been the solution either. The Eagles are kind of just treading water of mediocrity right now, and another big reason for that has been the defense. Um, the defense has not been good 
But this past Sunday, it, it, it was kind of like, where has this defense been? Uh, the big thing for me defensively this past weekend was that the Eagles finally stuffed the run. They tackled better than they have been. DeAndre Swift was just 12 for 27 yards. That's 2.3 yards a carry. That's more like it with this Eagles defense and what they've been doing with this defensive line. Ended the Eagles streak of 10 straight games, allowing 100 rushing yards, which is unfathomable to believe. I, I, I cannot believe it was 10 straight games. The Eagles have given up a rushing uh, of over 100 yards. The Lions rushed for only 57. 19 of them were in the last minute with their third strainer. Uh, this is a defense, Matt, that got to the quarterback, got to Jared Goff quickly. Uh, and it was certainly encouraging to see um, some of the younger guys uh, step up. Obviously, Eric Wilson at linebacker got cut. He is now a member of the Houston Texans, was claimed on waivers. We saw a lot more TJ Edwards over Alex Singleton on Sunday. It seems like Alex Singleton has lost his job to TJ Edwards. So we've seen Davion Taylor and TJ Edwards, a mix of Sean Bradley as well. And the young guys are stepping up. Edwards was credited with 13 tackles, two of them for a loss. A quarterback rush. Singleton uh, didn't have any. Came into the game third in the NFL in tackles. He didn't even, he hardly contributed. Uh, this is not something that I think is just an illusion um, and an outlier. I think that TJ Edwards is starting to cement himself to try to get more playing time under Jonathan Gannon. And, and I think one thing, you know, Gannon talks about is accountability. And it's another thing to talk it, but to make the change and to finally realize that maybe some of the guys that are in there weren't really playing up to their potential. You have young, hungry players like TJ Edwards, like Davion Taylor, getting more playing time. And the defense was more active. Josh Sweat was getting into the backfield. Uh, Fletcher Cox stepped up in a big way. You saw Derek Barnett make some plays. Uh, you, you even saw uh, Milton Williams get in there for a sack as well. They were all over this Lions defense. They were all over the field, and it was encouraging to see because we really haven't seen much of that this year. Yeah, so I'll start with the linebackers on that one with, obviously, like you said before, Eric Wilson getting cut. I think that, one, yeah, you're going to see TJ Edwards be your main mic going forward. I think this is actually, though, more of a move about getting Davion Taylor more involved, and mm -hmm. I think it's also kind of how he's saying, you know, I took a chance this is another one of my draft picks let's see if we can get him on the field and give him a chance to make an impact i like davion taylor i think he's a really good athlete i do too and if he you know in the season where you're probably realistically not going to be competing too much but he could be a guy who just gets better with more time on the field in actual game situations and you know i do like alex singleton too i think he's a good team player but being third in the league in tackles doesn't matter if on your tackles you're being dragged five or six yards down the field and committing penalties while you do it but then going back to the Defensive line now, seeing them finally wake up and make their presence known really for the first time in a while. So granted, it was against the Detroit Lions, but this performance could give them that spark going forward. It's nice to see Derek Barnett do something productive this season. I think he still has more career penalties and sacks. Finally got his first sack in the last 15 yeah. games. First, um, you know, your first round pick from five years ago, making an impact for the first time this season. That's nice. Um, <laughs> Milton Williams, it's nice to see him get involved. I think he's one of my more intriguing guys on his defensive line going forward. I think he's a guy in the future we could see playing and moving around almost anywhere. And, you know, given the way Fletcher Cox has been playing this season and how he's not getting any younger, how much of a role he could have going forward next year is going to be interesting to see. So 
the Eagles had 12 quarterback hits, 19 pressures, six sacks. Um, that that's kind of what you expect from an Eagles defense that has so much talent on the defensive line. And we've been waiting for it to show up. And uh, I mean, we talked about Gannon finally changing up personnel. They played a little more man to man and you have the ability to do that. You have Steven Nelson and Darius Slay as your corners. Play more man-to-man. Be able to blitz more. And the Eagles had blitzed 39 times through the first seven games. That was the second fewest in the league. That's just simply with the talent and the pass rushing ability that this Eagles defense has. That's just that's just not enough. Last Sunday, the, the Eagles and Jonathan Gannon sent at least one extra rusher 10 times, resulting in five pressures and a pair of sacks, which is uh, obviously a dramatic uh, upswing in blitzing. This is just something that the Eagles, I think, hopefully found a formula of success in. We'll see. We'll, we'll see because it's easy to do that against the Lions, right? It's easy to win 44 to 6 when you're playing a team like the Lions. They're 0 8 for a reason. Um, this presents a tougher test this coming weekend as they look to build a win streak with the Chargers coming into town. The Kickoff is four o'clock at the link. Um, and this is a line, uh, Lions team, excuse me, Chargers team that is sputtering right now. They've lost two straight, got manhandled by the Ravens, and lo- found themselves losing to the Patriots last weekend. So, this is a pretty ticked off Chargers team that has a lot of talent. Some people were thinking we're one of the better teams in the AFC, certainly have the talent to do it. Um, let's look at this Eagles offense first versus Chargers defense, Matt. And really what's been hurting the Chargers is their run defense. And we kind of are seeing a theme, right? Hopefully the Eagles can build off of last week. Chargers run defense is awful. Um, You thought the lines were bad against the run. How about this? Rushing yards allowed per game, 159.4, last. Rushing yards allowed per attempt, 5.1, last. Rushing first downs allowed per game, about nine, last. Rushes of 20-plus yards allowed, eight, last. The Chargers are dead last in almost every rushing defense metric. Um, I, I guess that's 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 kind of the fancy way of saying that um, they're not very good. Uh, part of the reason why is because Brandon Staley's defense is similar to Jonathan Gannon's in that it's designed to negate big plays down the field, which invites the run. If I am the Eagles... Uh, take that game plan from last week, copy it to this week's play card and run the same Mm -hmm. exact game plan. Last Sunday against the Lions, the Eagles game plan allowed the offensive line to be dominant. Um, They pushed the Lions around 236 rushing yards. We just went over the whole nine yards. Do it again. Yeah, for the most part, like you said, just pretty much copy, paste, do it again. Now it'll be interesting here to see how long they stick that game plan to because you have to deal with, you know, and I'm sure this is going to be our next point right after this. You have to deal with a little bit more of a high-powered offense. It's probably going to be putting up more points in the line. Yes. All right? they're, yes. they're not going to hold the charge to six points. They're not going to. And, <laughs> well, you, know, yeah, you never know. Um, this is kind of a conflicted week for me because I have Justin Herbert as my fantasy quarterback. So That's okay. Eagles for the most over fantasy any week. Yeah, he's allowed, to, he's allowed to have a bad game this week, but – in all seriousness, that two straight really bad ones. Yeah. That's that's we'll get we'll get to the Chargers offense in a bit, but yeah. But when you been, look at rough. just where they're at on the running game, like you said, they're dead last in almost every major category. It's practically just screaming at you again to do the same thing, whether it's 
You know what? It should be the exact same thing. You saw how they used Jordan Howard, Boston Scott. You saw how they rotated the guys. You know, it's like the first time this year you don't really have to critique the run game. Maybe if they can find a way to get Kenny Gainwell a little bit more involved out of the backfield, that'd be nice. But for the most part, this should be a run-heavy game. Maybe you have maybe Jalen Hurts doesn't have to throw only 15 passes again. But for the most part, if you're able to run the ball, stick to running the ball. And and the thing is, like, you you want Jalen Hurts to have those you know, a more productive game, I, I guess you could say. But, however, the Chargers' strength typically is their pass rush, right, led by Joey Bosa. But as a team, the Chargers only have 14 sacks. Only five teams have fewer. One of them is the Eagles, by the way. Um, however, Joey Bosa is a problem. And and I look at, look at Bosa, who has 51 sacks, seven forced fumbles in 71 career games, most dangerous pass rusher, one of the best in the league. Guess who's going to be on? Uh, Jordan Mailata. Mailata was, a, you know, obviously got the uh, big $64 million contract extension earlier in the year. He's been, he's been a good left tackle for the Eagles. Um, two, two weeks ago against the Raiders, I think, was the worst we've ever seen him. And then he kind of stepped up. Now, granted, the Lions don't have a really a pass rush of any sort of type of pass rush at all, actually. Um, but he's a work in progress. That's what Jordan Mailata is. If the Chargers were loaded across the board on their defensive line with quality edge rushers, then you might ask Mailata to shut down Bosa without help. However, I think it's going to be important to maybe put like a Jake Stahl on over there or, or, or have a running back and pass protection on the left side to protect Jalen Hurts and give him some more time. Because the last thing you want in a game like this, facing a defense that truly is very similar to what the Eagles have. So prevent the big play, but you're going to give up a lot of running plays. Basically, what I'm really looking at is make sure Jalen Hurts is comfortable in the pocket. Make sure he's not running for his life. Make sure he's not bailing on the play too early, which he has been known to do, uh, and just run for it. The Eagles offense starts to get out of its rhythm when that happens. Now, am I saying George, Jalen Hurts never run the football? No, absolutely not. But, I mean, we, we were at one point, he was rushing 15 to 20 times a game. Let's keep it in single digits. Use it sparingly. Keep the defense on their toes. Run the football. The offensive plays... Uh, the big passing yard plays will be there if you do that. Yeah, going back to what you said with Jalen Hurts, I like him running the ball too, but at some point you got to understand where if your first read isn't there within the first two seconds, that doesn't mean you have to bail on a clean pocket. And this right. was probably his biggest critique coming into this season where how is he is how is he able to adjust if his first read's not there. Even going back to college was one of his bigger critiques. So this could be another interesting test for a Charger secondary that – isn't too bad. It's, you know, obviously their defense shows what it is in the run game, but mm -hmm. it's going to be an interesting test where he's probably going to be asked to throw a little bit more than he was against the Lions. So oh, for this, sure. this is going to be interesting to see how he does off of the second read or the, if to say the first read's not there. Let's pick some standout stars for the offensive side of the ball before we go on the defense. Obviously, we're looking at this run game a lot. Obviously, we think Jalen Hurts is going to have to put up more statistically to match simply what the Chargers offense is going to do. But if you're looking at a key to this game, looking at a player that might go off, obviously, it's going to be more of a running back by committee type deal. 
But if you're looking at this Eagles offense, I mean, where where do the Eagles need need to start with? Is it Jalen Hurts? Is it the running back by committee? Is it getting Devontae Smith more involved early? Uh, get his confidence up. See if he's not going to drop balls this week. Is it taking Dallas Goddard underneath? Who's it going to be? So I'm actually going to go with Devontae Smith, even though I don't think he's going to have a huge role on Sunday. I think he needs to you know, have a bounce back week and be ready when his number's called because it's going to be hopefully another primary run attack. But we've seen him, you know, have a little bit. He was a little bit of this the last couple weeks, you know, good, bad, good, bad. I want to see if they can find a way to get him involved early, whether it's screen, let him run deep, try to get him involved, get his confidence going early and let him be one of your go-to guys throughout the entire game when the run game, you know, isn't working every now and then. Hopefully they're still running the ball majority of the time. But when they don't, it would be nice to see Devontae Smith really get involved and have a good game. My standout star is not a player. It's gonna be it's gonna be Nick Sirianni. Okay. The, the the Chargers are averaging 186 rushing yards against the last three games. That was against the Browns, Ravens, and Patriots. Nick Sirianni needs to stick with the game plan that has been working. You're coming off a game where you ran for 236 rushing yards. Do mm -hmm. the exact same thing. Rotate those running backs. You have three running backs that are feeling pretty damn good about themselves right now. Obviously, we would love to see Miles Sanders in there. He's probably still two weeks away. But Doran Howard has fresh legs. I mean, he hasn't played all year. Last week was his first game. Boston Scott is ready to prove himself. He has fresh legs. He hasn't played all year. And Kenny Gainwell, I think, is ready to prove uh, that, you know, he wants a bigger piece of the pie when it comes to some touches. If the Chargers are going to invite the run, which the Eagles happened to do well last week when they actually stick with it, they should gladly RSVP and pound it all day long. I, I mean, football isn't, you know, always super complicated. You run it well, they struggle stopping the run. I, I mean, it it's it's pretty pretty straightforward. Pretty simple. Run the ball, Nick. Run the ball. I, I mean, you did it last week. Do it again. I will be so discouraged if I see the Eagles offensively throw 30 to 40 times uh, on Sunday. I will probably that, be just as discouraged. It, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do, but I have a feeling Sirianni is going to see. And you, you kind of saw it against the Raiders, too. Like, obviously, the game script didn't work out in that in the favor but early on the Eagles were running the ball early I, I mean that is something that they were doing so really over the past two weeks we have seen Nick Sirianni's tendency more lean towards the run as it should have been all season long but at least he's finally leaning towards it a little more yeah agreed so if you come into this spot where you know it's where he just says all right I'm gonna run the ball for one week and then turn away like I would pretty much probably lose almost all faith in him at that point run the ball again you've got another really weak defense and a golden opportunity to do so flower power mm -hmm. water and fertilize run the ball um let's go to the defensive side of the ball because obviously we talked about how the eagles offense might need to play a little more keep up with a more explosive offense and that would be the chargers like I, I, justin herbert's very good quarterback he's struggled the past two weeks the chargers have kind of found themselves in a little bit of a funk however there's a matchup that i don't think enough people are really talking about right now and, and it's not really a one-on-one -on -one matchup per se but let's remember that the eagles offensive coordinator is shane steichen 
And that was the Chargers offensive coordinator in 2020. And he had a hand in grooming Justin Herbert and was a big reason why he had so much success. Um, and I think Jonathan Gannon and Steichen have sat down a couple times this week to kind of nitpick what does Herbert like to do? What are his tendencies? I mean, if there's a guy around the league that's not on the Chargers staff that knows Herbert as good as anyone, it's probably Steichen, right? I, I mean, it's probably going to be him. So I'm interested to see what this defense is going to do with that added voice uh, this week when it comes to the game plan. I think obviously the two big names to look out for um, offensively that Justin Herbert's going to distribute to are his top two wide receivers, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. They're at, I mean, Mike Williams has six touchdowns already on the year. Uh, Keenan Allen is obviously, in my opinion, the one of the top premier wide receivers in all of football. Uh, but that that's really it. And obviously you're going to have a lot of, of asking of Darius Slate and Steven Nelson to have big games. And then, of course, you have Austin Eckler as well. This is a Chargers offense that is very multidimensional and very explosive and can beat you in multiple ways. Yeah, and going back to, I guess, Keenan Allen's a guy to really watch out for on the defense. You know, maybe he's not great, and you see where Mike Williams also faces in this offense, but you got to think you're at least going to get a very good game out of Keenan Allen almost every week and that he's a dangerous guy on this um, offense. So it's going to be a lot, one, on the corners to see how they match up with these guys, but also for the defensive line to see if they can get there quick and not make these cornerbacks feel like liabilities out there. Let's talk about Austin Eckler because we talked about how the linebackers looked better last week, right, And with TJ Edwards and Davion Taylor. Austin Eckler's a problem. He's on pace for a 1,000 uh 1,753 yards from scrimmage. He has carried already 84 times for 420 yards, has five touchdowns, is very involved in the passing game. In case you haven't caught many Chargers games over the past few years, Eckler is very explosive and very good. He's a smaller type running back. He runs hard in between the tackles. He has speed to get outside, and his receiving ability is obvious like i said against the lions though matt tj edwards was lb1 he was out there the most and then davion taylor was kind of the guy that brought up the rear they're getting a lot of snaps as well gannon was obviously asked if that was a line centric personnel decision kind of gave a political answer on that but the release of eric wilson is very telling that i think they're going to be more involved um and this is probably the toughest challenge on the schedule left for these linebackers, which is Austin Eckler. Um, it's tough for TJ Edwards because he's going to have to shadow him. He's not blessed with great athleticism. He's clearly the Eagles' best linebacker right now and shouldn't be taken out of the lineup because it may not be a perfect matchup. But however, you worry that Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert are going to take advantage of it. Yeah, because Eckler's the kind of guy who can really make a play at almost any level, whether it's running between the tackles, whether it's outside screens, he just knows how to make plays. And that's kind of the scouting report I've had, even before he really had this breakout year. seems like when they really fed him the ball during games, he would find a way to just break loose somehow, whether it's with his speed or up the middle. So really dangerous guy. And it's going to be interesting to see how Gannon utilizes these linebackers because, you know, TJ is probably going to be your mic going forward, but he probably doesn't have the ability to run sideline to sideline like Davion Taylor does. So mm-hmm. 
how they kind of it's almost got to be like the perfect epitome of teamwork between these two linebackers if they really want to contain him. Yeah, and and it's almost like all right, you know, Eckler's going to be a problem. I I think really what Gannon's going to have to do, and you saw it work with DeAndre Swift against the Lions. Granted, Chargers offense and Lions offense are two totally different beasts. One's not a beast at all. Um, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams is probably one of the most explosive duos in football at the wide receiver position. And the Eagles probably need to challenge that man to man with Darius Slay following Keenan Allen, Steven Nelson following Williams, um, similar to what the Eagles did against the Panthers. If you remember Slay followed DJ Moore a lot, pretty much the entire game. And that allowed Steven Nelson to follow Robbie Anderson. Uh, and really Sam Darnold struggled to get now, Comparing Sam Darnold to Justin Herbert is just foolish, but mm-hmm. it's the idea, right? Like, I mean, it forced someone else to beat them and they couldn't, right? So if you take away Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, your next productive wide receiver is Jalen Guyton, who has 10 catches for 139 yards. So clearly option three is not great for them. That's where Austin Eckler, to me, is probably going to be the difference maker in how well these linebackers play, assuming that the Eagles and Jonathan Gannon are listening to me for Philly right now and listening to the fact that they should be playing man-to-man on the wide receivers. However, as you're aware, um, the Eagles had a very good, probably their best game pass rushing wise. And the Chargers offensive line has been very very good Rashawn Slater at left tackle uh, Matt Filer at left guard Corey Lindsley at center Michael Schofield right guard and Storm Norton at right tackle um, this is experienced group this is a very good group um, the Eagles are coming off their best defensive line performance of the year but they haven't been consistent and this Chargers offensive line is much better than what they saw against Detroit but They can be had on their right side a little bit. The Eagles could use another big game out of Josh Sweat working against Norton if they're going to have some success uh, pressuring Justin Herbert as you saw uh, what the Patriots did and what the Ravens were able to do. uh, That should be a formula to keep Justin Herbert from getting comfortable in the pocket. Allow your corners to play that man-to-man. Allow that pass rush to get there because I think if you're able to play man-to-man and have some linebackers, maybe one, even two, on Austin Eckler, you could bring an extra guy and blitz more often, which seemed to be more successful uh, against the Lions, and hopefully they can do against the Chargers as well. Agreed. <laughs> With When you just look at – if you could take when you see um, – the two receivers and Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I don't know why I blanked on their names for a second. If you could find a way to take one, hope, preferably two of those three guys away, I like to, I really do like the Eagles' odds in this game, given the fact that Justin Herbert's been struggling and on a bit of a cold streak the last two games, and Shane Steichen knows him better than just about anybody else in the league. So their goal should be to try to not necessarily take them out of the game, but just try to contain at least two of those three guys and make Justin Herbert work and look for another option. So if you're looking at somebody to stand out on the defensive side of the ball. And look, we had a, we had a lot of standouts last week against Detroit. Granted it was Detroit, but we just mentioned a couple matchups to watch uh, this week against the chargers defensively. If the Eagles learned anything from their game out in the motor city, 
I, I would expect a big day by this defensive line. Who's going to have that big day for the Eagles defensively? So my standout star isn't necessarily a defensive lineman, but I'm actually going to go with Davion Taylor. I think he needs to be yeah. that linebacker that has to be able to run sideline to sideline with Austin Eckler and try to just keep him contained as best he can, try to let TJ Edwards do his thing and plug up the middle. But he, along with granted, the defensive line needs to have a big game too. I think Davion Taylor needs to really utilize his athletic ability and just try to cover as much of the field as he can, especially now that he's going to be asked to do a lot more with Eric Wilson being released. Yeah, and and I agree with you on that but because you picked it. I'm going to go with Josh Sweat. Obviously, if the Chargers do have a weakness on the on the offensive line, it is on the right side. Josh Sweat usually lines up on that side. Um, and I think he showed kind of why you gave him the extension. It seems like this Eagles defense woke up a little bit and seemed to be a lot more aggressive when trying to pass rush and get to the quarterback. Josh Sweat was a big reason uh, last week in Detroit. I expect more of the same. Josh Sweat is a difference maker. You paid him for a reason. Get him out on the field and get him pin his ears back and just let him fire away because it clearly worked last week. I believe it's going to work again. So I'm looking at Josh Sweat this week and a combination of Josh Sweat and Davion Taylor having good weeks is probably going to be a recipe for a lot of success defensively for the Eagles. But is it going to be enough, Matt? So let's go to our game predictions. Is it going to be enough? Like, look, Beating the Lions 44 to 6 is one thing, but we've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly with this football team all year long. And the Chargers, coming off two losses, aren't playing their best football right now. But let's be honest, they're probably the more complete team right now. Um, they're the better coach team, in my opinion. I, Brandon Staley has done a good job with this Chargers team. And, and uh, is, I mean, before this losing streak was one of the finalists, in my opinion, for coach of the year with what he's been able to do with this Chargers team. However, Good teams don't go on very long losing streaks, and the Chargers are not a bad football team by any means. However, they're coming across country, and they're playing the Eagles at the link. Hopefully, the Eagles can get a winning streak going, but is it enough for the Eagles to do so? Um, I think this is similar to what I said in the Tampa Bay game. Granted, the Chargers aren't on Tampa Bay's level. The Eagles can do it. They can pull this game out, but they really do have to execute their game plan. They have to be able to run the football. They have to you know, be willing to run the football a lot, and they need the link to be out, providing them that home field advantage and take advantage of the Chargers coming across country. So when you break all that down, they can do it. But for the most part, as much as it pains me, I do think the Chargers are the more complete team, and I do see them narrowly beating the Eagles at home. But I think it could be kind of one of the losses where you still take a lot of good things away, and then you just look at your schedule going forward and hope for the best. This is a game that should wind up being within striking distance late. I like. I have a feeling this is going to be a close game either way, especially if the Eagles run the ball well against the Chargers League's worst running defense. Kind of like what you just said, right? If the Eagles run the ball, stick to their game plan, it might pan out in the Eagles' favor. Um, this is a game that I have a feeling that's going to come down to Jake Elliott late. Really? I just have I just have that feeling that it's going to be kind of one of those like New York Giants. If he makes this, I'm going to give him my paycheck type game. Now, I don't think it's going to be, you know, a 60 yard or even a 50 yard. But I have a feeling the Eagles are going to have Jalen Hurts is going to have to have one of those moments. Right. That like you have to get within field goal range. Can he do it? And I think the Chargers defense, um, albeit horrible against the run. They're going to be expecting more of a run, and 
Jalen Hurts is going to be able to pick apart that defense a little bit. Look out for Asante Samuel Jr. He is mm-hmm. a ex, he is a very good corner. I wish the Eagles were able to get him, but of course it didn't fall that way. Um, but I, oh man, I think he's been I, one of the highest graded corners in this rookie draft class, and I actually wanted him in I the second he, round a lot too. Yeah, I, I think he he is. Um, I. <laughs> I mean, I, I get the Landon Dickerson pick, but Asante Samuel was there to be had, and they they passed on him, which was kind of a bummer to see. But um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, when it comes to my gut, like I said, I think it comes down to Jake Elliott. Does he make it or not? And screw it, I'm going with it. Eagles are going to win. The Eagles are going to win 26 to 24 on a on a Jake Elliott kick to end the game and the link goes wild and get our hopes up. The Eagles are four and five. It's easy to strike the schedule. And we're, we're, we're going to be talking about the Eagles going on a run as they go out to Denver next week. I, I could see it now. We're going to be so giddy next week and just to be disappointed at some point throughout the year. But no, I, I have a, the chart. If the chargers were playing better, I, I would pick the chargers. However, something, something ain't right with the chargers right now. And it seems like after a hot start, they, they've been had like the Patriots aren't a very good football team. They're, they're not the Patriots that we all know and, and really expect. And the chargers struggled that, and really the score was not in indictive of how bad the chargers played last week. I don't know if anybody really saw the game, but I had it on red zone and they just did not look good. So I'm going with the birds. I don't know if I'm going to be right or I'm going to look like an idiot next week, but screw it. We only live once go birds. You know, I would love to see that as well. And I guess I'll go a little (laughs) more into what my prediction would be. And everything that you just said is a legitimate possibility. You know, they just do have to have the ideal game plan to do it. But Mm -hmm. when you look at how the chargers are built, I could see this, being a game where, again, the Eagles are in striking distance the whole way through, but just maybe a couple mistakes lead to them just being out of it with, you know, five to go in the fourth. I could see yeah. the Chargers winning this one 24 to 27 or, you know, 24 to 17, depending on how the Eagles do. So you're taking Chargers. That, it, that's the final, that's the final gut call. It's Chargers. Tough. You know, granted, when I say I'm taking the Chargers, I do think the Eagles very well are capable of winning this game. But when you look at, how both teams are built and coached. I think more of the not the Chargers win this matchup. Spoken like a true politician. I love I it. know, I know. <laughs> um we have a couple moments left. I did want to touch on it. We we're not really gonna go into the Flyers or the Sixers. Sixers are six and two. Look really good without Ben Simmons, by the way. The Flyers are are five, two and two. Am I right on that? Five, two um, and two. I think five, it's two, and five one. two and one. I think it's okay. five, two and one. Yeah, they're hanging on to the last. It's early, but they've only they've only played, yeah, five, two, and one. They've played eight games. They're hanging on to the last wild card spot, but they look good. Um, obviously, the, the, you know, it took a little while for the offense to get going and put the puck in the back of the net against Arizona, which is a little concerning, but uh, they ended up winning the other night, three nothing against the Coyotes, and, you know, that they, they – they look good. They they look like they're ready to play this year, which is encouraging. And obviously the Sixers look good. But I did want to talk about uh, what the Phillies did earlier this week, and that was waving Andrew McCutcheon and Odubel Herrera. Andrew McCutcheon is now set for free agency. Meanwhile, Odubel is set for arbitration. My gut says neither will be back. I think, you know, obviously the big new uh, – this is a big free agent class um, this, this offseason – 
that the Phillies, I expect, are going to be very aggressive in. Uh, a name to keep an eye on is the fact that Nick Castellanos waived mm-hmm. his player clause, and he is going to be a free agent as well. Keep an eye on Nick Castellanos for that open left field vacancy. Yeah. Um, as much as I do love Andrew McCutcheon, you know, he's a great guy to have in the locker room. When you look at how much he was getting paid and the production he was putting up and where his age is at, it is best for this team to move yeah, on. It is. And I think ideally Nick Castellanos is the kind of guy who can come right in, hit in the top three. Like probably the ideal spot for him to come in right away would be to hit second or fifth, you know, or maybe even fourth, somewhere near Bryce Harper, give them the opportunity to work with each other. I think a one, other, a one through four of some way, shape, or form Segura, of Segura, Segura, Harper, Segura, Harper, Castellanos, and JT. Something along those or, lines. And don't forget about Reese too. When hopefully he gets right. back healthy. So I think that this is them saying that they're going to go all in for Castellanos. If not, I think the best two backup options are um, obviously Yul Garcia, who would probably be more of a five hole hitter for you. Yeah. And then you've got a guy like Starlin Marte who could probably be yes. your everyday leadoff hitter. The problem is he is, I believe, 33, going to be 34 next season. So that would probably be a heavy front-loaded contract. But, you know, John Milton, this is the season, if any, to go over the luxury tax. You know, when you see that the Atlanta Braves just won the World Series, barely sneaking in when at one point they were eight games below 500 and you were leading yeah. the division, you should be pissed off. You should want you to had it. Yeah, you, you had a chance. Number four market. Go out and spend that money. You had a last week of the season series down three games to the now World Series champions. You had a chance to get them out of the playoffs entirely, and they went on to win the World Series. So it, you don't have to win the division convincingly to get hot at the right time. The Phillies are a couple pieces away, but if they can play this offseason right, they can certainly do it. Keep in mind that they should be addressing the shortstop position as well. Keep an eye on a guy like Carlos Correa, Trevor Story. You don't know what what John Milton is willing to do with his money this offseason. Like you said, the luxury tax uh, need, needs to just stop mm-hmm. being a thing. Um, and, and I think Dave Dabrowski is not – the the way he is going to be different than Matt Klintak is I don't think he cares. Mm-hmm. I think he is going to get his guys, and whatever the price is, that's what it's going to be. Since Bryce Harper has come to Philadelphia, we've seen two NLEs teams win the World Series, the Nationals and the Braves. It's time to get back into the playoffs and put your name in the hat to go and get this thing. I, I think a guy like Castellanos, I think a guy like Craig Kimbrell, I think a guy mm-hmm. like Correa or Story are the guys that they need to be targeting. You have the owner that's willing to spend. You have a general manager that's pieced together uh, World Series teams before. You have a Bryce Harper window that he's hitting his prime. He's coming off a, my guess, is going to be an MVP season. I hope so. He was just voted, I, I think, outstanding player by his peers. He, he was. So I've, everything's leaning towards Bryce is going to win the MVP. He should win the MVP. Mm-hmm. Um I just hope the Philly address the back end of the rotation because you need more Mm -hmm. Uh, address the back end of the bullpen because you need more, hopefully Kimbrell. And then you need a center fielder. Well, you need a center fielder, a left fielder and a shortstop. That's what, that's what should be at the top of Dave Dabrowski's list. Yeah. And I think another guy to keep an eye on, I mean, he's a guy who really caught fire towards the end of the season. He's doing well. And I think the summer leagues now, or the winter leagues, I should say, Bryson Stott. Yes. You know, he's probably yes. your number one prospect. He, he I think he's still well. a year or two away, though. I, I would love I to know. see him. 
but as much, he's already, I think, 23, going to be 24 soon. All he does okay. is hit. Yeah. I think he needs to at least be given a pretty fair shot for a spot in the infield, whether that's third base, whether he competes with Alec Bohm or an well, opportunity. And I think, I think the idea behind Didi, like, I think the idea behind Didi and the fact that they didn't spend so much on shortstop was because you thought Stott mm-hmm. was close, right? I, I mean, I think that was the idea. So it really just depends on how far away I, I think it does come down to, actually. How far away does this team think Stott is away from coming up to the big club? Because if if he's not close, Carlos Correa or Trevor Story mm-hmm. is your guy. If he is... Here's the thing. He's 24 right now. Okay. And the way I think the season would work, you know, as much as I would love to see a guy like Correa come in, and you could find a way to make that work, whether Stott... I think what they're going to do is Stott's going to start the season in triple A, and hopefully the mm-hmm. idea is maybe a month or two into the season, you think, all right, he's got enough at-bats, let's bring him up to the major league level. Maybe you go out and get a guy who can hold down the fort for a little bit, or whether it's a situation like bringing in a Carlos Correa, put him at shortstop, let Bohm hold out at third, see if he has any value left in him. And once you think Stott's ready, move Bohm, whether it's to first base, put Reese at DH if the DH well, comes to that's the just it. It's going to be so many different variables, so it's going to be a very important offseason. The, 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 the thing is, this offseason is going to be so weird because you don't know what's going to come out of the mm-hmm. new collective bargaining bargaining agreement if you have one there's a very good chance this is all for not matt because we may not have baseball next year i want to be clear to that with our listeners the bargaining agreement ends december 1st and these two are not close the Mm -hmm. the owners and the players association are not close on an agreement so to be clear a lot of people out there are believing that there will be a lockout next year we may not have baseball at all it's that bad if you have been paying attention for the past I don't know, five to seven years. Mm. This is not, this is, these aren't two sides that are close to an agreement. So, but what's going to come out of that? Are we going to have the universal DH finally? And if we do have the universal DH, I think that changes how Dabrowski approaches free agency because, like you I said, so you could, you could move Reese full time to DH, move Bohm the first, and now you have an opening at third as well. Yeah. So, definitely a very key offseason for us, but, you know, we'll cross all that crazy you know, potential lockout stuff when we get to it. Right now, the Phillies should just be focusing on, let's try to get... Get talent. Cast- get talent. Get, get Castellanos or um, Marte. Get one of those two guys. Try to get another legit bullpen arm and reevaluate your rotation. Aaron Nola is coming off of a really bad year. Wheeler, Horrible. Wheeler's Horrible. having a, had a borderline Cy Young year. You know, um, uh, what's his face? Why am I blanking on his name? Eflin? The, not, well, I like Eflin. You know, he could probably Ranger. be five. Ranger had a great year in the time he was... In the time he was pitching, but you got to wonder how he would do that as a starter over a full season. Yep. And then who was the guy they brought? Gibson. That's who I was thinking of. Gibson wow. did well when you brought him in, but he's not getting any younger. So you got to wonder how much time he has left with this team. If Nola has pretty much anything but what he had last year, and you see oh, Rangers step be a, up, yeah, huge difference as a lengthy, you know, starter. They that's a potentially legit rotation. If Ethel can come back healthy, however, and be five. I agree with you. Typically. At, and, and I do agree with you. I, I think Ranger is legit, but at the same time, like you how many more, on it. how many more years are we going to do this? Oh, Nick Pavetta. This is the year. Oh, Zach Eflin. Mm-hmm. This is the year. How many times have we sat there and Vince Velasquez, he's finally, you know, we, we finally fixed his mechanics. Vince Velasquez, you're going to see a different Vince Velasquez this year. 
I mean, we do it with all these homegrown mm-hmm. guys. I'm not saying Ranger Suarez is that because I think he's shown more potential than Eflin ever did, Pavetta ever did, and certainly Velasquez ever did. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you need to go out and get somebody like a Marcus Stroman. Mm-hmm. Um, Someone who's been some, there, started a wild some, card game. Yes, thank you. Someone that's been there, done that bring them in and know that you can bank on them to be a focal point of your rotation moving forward. And now I get it. Like you can't get every top guy and Stroman just, I mean, I think he'd be a perfect fit, honestly, with what the Phillies have as a rotation right now. I think he would be. And I think, you know, from some of my buddies who are Mets fans, the word on the street is that he might not be back. So he's not. He he's not. A lot of interesting I, I, situations up up here in New York. I mean, obviously, for most of our listeners know this, but I mean, being up here in New York, it's all Yankees and Mets talk. There is no belief. Um, I mean, they can't. The Mets can't even fill their GM spot right now. There is no belief that Stroman is going to return uh, to the Big Apple. So, I, look, hey, if you could take talent away from the Mets, I'm all Why for not? it. Yeah. Um, so but, definitely. And you also even got to think too, like when we going back to talk about this could be the year, this could be the time where they find a way to tune out this player. It's been now what? Like we're going to go into our 11th year without red October. Yep. At some point they got to say, all right, we can't bank on the results. Let's go get in on guys who we can, can give us the results. Let's stop wasting Bryce Harper's prime. Thank you. Let's stop. Let's stop wasting why Bryce Harper came here to begin with. Can we mm-hmm. all just take a step back and remember why Bryce Harper picked Philadelphia was to win championships. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, to, to finish third in the division each year and watch two other teams in the division win a world series while you're sitting at home. Uh, JT's not getting any younger. Bryce isn't getting any younger, albeit he's still in his prime. Reese isn't getting any younger. This core is ready to should be ready to win. Now you need to get the cherry on top and, and get this team to the finish line. If you're Dave Dabrowski, I don't think this city could take much more. And I don't know what worries me is I don't know. And obviously Bryce doubled down and said, he's committed to Philadelphia. That's why he came here. That's why he wanted 13 years. That's the, the whole point of that was that he knew there were going to be ups and downs, but I just worry like, Everybody hits a breaking point, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has that breaking point. Let's not push Bryce to the breaking point mm-hmm. and have him make this a shitty situation and end up wanting a trade at some point. Cause that's the last thing this Phillies team or the city needs. Absolutely. Yeah. You committed to him for 13 years for a reason. Go out and get him, you know, go out and get him his nice engagement rank, like get him the help he needs. Uh, and I would, I would be dev. I think I speak for all of Philadelphia when I say I would be absolutely devastated if that's the road uh, this Bryce Harper relationship yes. goes. Not, I'm not saying that's where it's going, nor do I believe that's where it's going. But we have to talk about it. You have to think about it in the back of your head, and more importantly, you have to hope that it never gets to that point. Exactly. So do the right thing. Put a contender on the field. You I, I, look. We don't really know what the Braves are going to be next year. Freddie Freeman's a free agent. There's some other players that are up as well. Um, you don't know what the Mets are going to be. The Nationals are a dumpster fire. The Marlins are a dumpster fire. Uh, like this, if you're the Phillies, man, you, you can win this division. And mm-hmm. it, it just like obviously it's it's just the beginning of the offseason. We don't really know, but what the Braves are going to do, what the Mets are going to do. But if I'm the Phillies, I'm I'm looking at you know this division and saying we can win this thing. We could do this thing. So hopefully Dave Dabrowski and John Milton team up and do just that along with Joe Girardi. But that was another awesome episode of made for Philly. We talked birds. 
We talked some fills, and hopefully uh, we have good things coming this weekend against the Chargers. For Matt, I am Bryce. This was made for Philly. We are presented by Godzilla Media. You can find this and every episode on Apple, Spotify, and or YouTube. Follow us on our Twitter page, at Made for Philly, as well as our Twitter accounts. I am at ZBryce21. Matt's is at Matt underscore underscore Minton. Follow us on Twitter. We'll follow you guys back, interact with us in the whole nine yards. And uh, hopefully, like I said, the birds pull it out this weekend and improve to four and five. Stay safe out there. Enjoy the weekend of football. Enjoy the Sixers. Enjoy the Flyers. And we will catch you next week.